This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. My title is The Anointing in the Life of a Believer. The Anointing in the Life of a Believer. But I just, as we're worshiping God, I'm just thinking about some things. I've been doing this since Jadon. Preaching since really born again preaching since January of 1980. So I've been doing it 41 years now. And the way I came to the kingdom of God, the way God brought me in was so awesome. I started uh, seeking Jesus in December of 1979. I wanted to get born again, went to a church that didn't even believe in the new birth, went there five Sundays in a row in December. And every Sunday I went to the altar. The preacher didn't know what to do. They didn't pray for people there. I didn't know they didn't pray for people there. It was a neighborhood church where I grew up at, and I wanted to find God. So I went back to the neighborhood where I grew up at, where it was a nice little Sunday school church. And five Sundays I went there. They wanted me to take communion because they took communion every week, but they didn't know the one the communion was about. So I wouldn't take communion because I'm not right with God. I just in my heart I do. I can't take communion because I'm not right with God. And so every Sunday I go to the altar, and same same thing every week. Well, hi, good to meet you. I said, could you pray for me? I said, I want to get right with God. And basically all the guy could say, well, yeah, I wish I was right with God too. I thought, well, you're the preacher. And then the associate pastor was a younger guy, and I tell him the same thing. All they do is shake my hand, just say good luck, you know. <laughs> so anyway, finally an unsaved truck driver, an unsaved truck driver that I worked with, started telling me about his church that his wife was going to. A Pentecostal church and tell about people getting healed and stuff. And he didn't even know he was witnessing to me. He was like the donkey talking to Balaam, you know, just God used his mouth. And I thought, man, I can't wait to find that church. So I got to that church. It was a Pentecostal church. And the, uh, first Sunday in there, I mean, for, no, actually the first time was a Friday night because they had Thursday, Friday night services. I went in there and had this little old Pentecostal lady that was about this tall until I saw her for hair down. This is about this tall. That's a true story. It sounds funny, but it's a true story. She was the sister Odell was her name. She's in heaven now, but she was a little old short lady. But she had hair, the big old twirl things the Pentecostal people did, way up in the air. And after I was there for about a month or two, I wanted to go see her. So she lived right by the church, knocked on her door. This little old short lady answered the door. I said, I need to see Mr. Sister Odell. She said, Well, Brother Samples. I said, Oh, that's you. <laughs> anyway, I want to tell you how real this stuff is to me. And so at the time, I was living with a lady. I wasn't born again. I was living with a lady, had a lot of sicknesses. And so that first Friday night we went in there, we listened to the service, and then the truck driver's wife was there that, you know, she was she was a saved person. He wasn't there because he wasn't saved. But she was there, and we got done. I said, I thought, I thought you said if I came here, they would pray for her, God would heal her, like all these things that Jerry's been telling me about, these people getting healed. Oh, let's go up there. So the service over, went up there. And Sister Odell got her oil out. And Pentecostals aren't the nice little guys like we. It's got the little bottle you give you a little dip. She got it out. And Pentecostals spit when they preach. No, it's a true story. Real Pentecostals spit when they preach. They get excited. They jump. They used to call them holy rollers. And if you ever went to that church I went to, you know why they called them holy rollers. Matter of fact, my first job in the church was to catch the little black girls with a spun. It was a mixed church. It had half black, half white. And the little black girls went wild. They spun around like that. And we had old people, so I had to watch out. There's like a windmill, and they could hurt people. So my first my first job they gave me, uh, had different guys stationed there. When a little girl started jumping and spinning, we had to grab their hand and hold them like that while they twirled. So that was my first job. But anyway, that first night in there, 
Debbie took us up there. Sister Odell got the oil out. And she was a spitting and praying, you know, and did all of her stuff there, poured oil all over, did that. Well, anyway, over the next few weeks, we kept on going to that church. I started noticing the symptoms of this lady's body was getting better and better and better and better. So anyway, I uh, asked her, after been going there about, uh, oh, probably about three weeks, I asked her one night, I said, hey, I said, you think you're getting better? I said, you look at me like you get better. She said, yeah, I am. I said, I'm not hurting. And I'm walking better because she had a lot of stuff going on with her. They said, yeah, I'm getting better. And I said, what do you think, God's real? This this how we were seeking him. I hadn't gave my life to him yet. And then she said, yeah, I think he probably is. I said, I think he probably is too. She still had other things wrong with her. And I said, well, if he healed that, what we got prayed for, do you think he'd heal this? I said, yeah. And I said, if he really is real, he's not just in that church over there. He's right here listening right now. And looked around. You don't thought he's in here listening to us. And so I said, well, if he's the one that does the healing and not Sister Odell, then I said he would heal here like he would there if it's really him. And so I said, I want to pray for you. And then I come to the realization, and this is a true story, absolute truth. I said, I don't know how to pray. And so I called Debbie, the truck driver's wife. I said, Debbie, we've decided God's real. And she said, oh, that's really nice. And 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 then I said, you know what? So-and-so is a lot better for the things that Sister Odell prayed for, but she still got this and this and this and this. And I said, I want to pray for her, but how do I pray? And I really don't know what Debbie said, because the next thing is why I'm here tonight after all these years. I looked over at my lady. I stuck out my hand, and I touched her. And God's my witness. You can stab me in a bucket of water right now. Let me stick my hand in an electric socket. There'd be no more power. It knocked us out. The power of God come down. It absolutely knocked us out. Woke up the next morning, and I don't even know if we talked to each other. I went to my truck driving job. My route was downtown Indianapolis, and I was doing my stuff there. And I got to thinking about it. And I called her on the phone in this place where I was making delivery at. And she said, you're not going to believe what just happened. I said, what happened? Well, she had a lot of female troubles. She said, I just went to the bathroom and said, all the mess came out of me and all the pain I've had for all this time's gone. And the operation is going to have to have. They didn't have to do when back the doctor said everything's fixed. But anyway, when she told me that, when she told me that, in this office with these strangers, they had secretaries, people working. I was using the office phone to make a call there because they called my dispatcher and I used to cheat. I wouldn't just call my dispatcher. I used to make a call home real quick. Made a call home. She told me that. I threw my hands up there in front of all those people. And I said, Jesus, I know you're real now. I give my life to you. Anything you want me to do, Jesus, I'm yours. And so my life then, as that Pentecostal church for most of that year, and then the summertime, I've been hearing Brother Hagen on the radio. And I started praying the Lord would show me a church that taught the word. This church had the spirit in a great degree, but they didn't teach a lot of Bible. They were a church that were really great people, but all they ever said, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. You all know the Bible says. I didn't know the Bible talked about Noah. I didn't know Noah. I wasn't raised in Sunday school. I didn't know about Moses and Ten Commandments. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know that stuff. They always said the Bible says. And I was sitting out there hungry. 
And all I ever said was, Lord, where's it at? I want to find out where it says it at. They said, the Bible says, does it really say it? They wouldn't tell us. just always said, the Bible says. That's why I have problems with preachers when they come into church and teach things. They always said, the Bible says. So I look up my congregation. I think, well, some of these people came from where I did. They come from Heathenville. And they've never read the Bible. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't know about Jonah. They don't know these things. They don't know that Jesus said, lay hands sick, they shall recover. we got to show them in the Bible. So I started praying for a church that taught the Bible, like Brother Hagin taught it. And the Lord gave me a word of faith pastor, and I went there. And my word of faith pastor is where I got my, I guess, my fanaticism at, my fanatical about Jesus at, because he not only was a word of faith pastor, he preached and does, you go do what Jesus said to do. And so every week there was lots of testimonies of people in the church talking about the people who laid hands on that week and they got healed. Lots of testimonies about the one they ran into and led him through a prayer of salvation. He showed us how to pray for people and get them saved. Showed us how to lay hands on the sick, how to cast out devils, all those things. And so my early Christian years, everybody I was around, they were fired up, laying hands on people, getting them healed and all those kind of things. And I remember that a lot of things would say not. I learned back in April 1981 down at John Osteen's church in Houston, Texas. I went down to the John Osteen's church to a, to a, to a pastor's missionary convention. And T.L. Osborne was a really, really, really famous worldwide missionary at the time. He'd been overseas for years. T.L. Osborne had just come back. And Lester Summerall, you hear us talk about him a lot. He was one of the most foremost apostles in the world at the time. So Lester Summerall, T.L. Osborne, Kenneth Hagin, a lot of really, really, really fanatical worldwide ministers were there. And for a whole week, all day long, from early in the morning to late at night, I was with those guys. And T.L. Osborne, talking about the book of Acts, where we're going to start at tonight, talked about if Jesus could do it, you could do it because he told you to. And he showed us how. And I'm going to show you how tonight, the things that Jesus told us. So I, I took that and I believed that and so many testimonies I could give you. I remember when I was on a federal jury. I, I, got, I got jury duty for a federal jury back in Indianapolis in 1981. They sequestered us in the jury room. They said, you can't talk about the case. Well, I didn't want to talk about the case anyway. I want to talk about Jesus. So I preached in the jury room every day. And I don't know why the guys didn't want to get saved and want to hear it. They all got in the court and talked what they got. And all the women got on this. I preached to the women. Got several of them saved. Got a Methodist lady from Kokomo, Indiana, baptized the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I'll tell you what, those guys that were scared of me, they really got scared. That woman started blasting in tongues. I mean, man, that, that really got them. Et cetera, et cetera. But one day... I was coming into my jury duty, and I just kind of walked through the crowd. That federal courthouse was really, really crowded. This back where they had to guard everything. You know, there wasn't all the nuts around back then like they are now. So there's lots of people in there taking care of business. Walking through the crowd, and when I was walking through the crowd to get to where I was, this lady grabbed my arm and said, Excuse me, sir, can you tell me where lost and found is? And I didn't know anything about lost and found, but I looked up and saw, you know, those little things they put the white letters on to tell you, you know, this, this room 307, this room 42, and, you know, all those things. I said, well, what's, it says right there, lost about right there. She said, I can't see. I got cataracts and you know, I can't see this far. And when she said that, man, oh man, oh man, I tell you, it's like sick him to a bulldog. I just went like that. I said, oh good. I said, I said, do you want Jesus to heal your eyes right now? Oh yes, 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 yes. And so I, I got a hold of her. By her coat collar, I jerked her over to the side away from the crowd up against the wall so people wouldn't be rubbing into us. I laid hands on her. As soon as I did, that woman started crying. 
She said, I see, I see. Well, I can read it. I got all excited, but I, I got so many testimonies like that. I wasn't a preacher. I was a Holy Ghost filled believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the works that I do shall do, you do also in John 14, 12. So I took that and I believed that. But over the years, over the years, I've learned from the Word of God how it works. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And when I teach you Bible verses, then you're going to believe John 14, 12. You ought, you ought to mark that verse down. I'm not looking there. Now, John 14, 12, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And even greater works, because I go to the Father. And so this month, the month of March, we're going to be studying the book of Acts in our, in our church Bible study. We do every day the verses we read. So I'm going to start off at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Amen. Anybody getting hungry for this? Amen. I, I, I tell you, I, I really believe this is the time for the church to shine. This is the time for the church quit being like the world, but take the church to the world. But get the world out of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And, uh, you know, when you read, when you read Acts chapter 1, you start seeing up in verse 1, 2, and 3, that Jesus taught these disciples and a bunch of them for 40 days. You know, people don't think about that. Jesus didn't just get raised from the dead and go to heaven. It tells us at the start of this chapter, for 40 days, he taught these guys about the Holy Ghost. For 40 days, he taught them what to do. He was getting ready to go up to heaven. He didn't just come off the cross and go to heaven. He came back. He went to heaven, took his blood up there, put it on the mercy seat of God for our sins. And then he came back down for 40 days. He taught the new church leaders what it was all about. Amen. And it was about the Holy Ghost. So then verse 8, verse 8, he made, he made this statement. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon you. And then, because you have the Holy Ghost in power, you shall be witnesses. Witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth... And so, I mentioned Houston, Texas, and T.L. Osborne, because I learned this so strong off of T.L. Osborne, it's always stuck with me. If these guys are going to be a witness, you think about a court of law. You go to a court of law, and if all you're telling them, well, what my preacher said or my preacher did, they're saying that's hearsay. A witness is an evidence producer. What did you see? What did you experience? What's your first-hand knowledge? And so Jesus said, we're going to be witnesses. So if we're a witness that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he was resurrected, that means we're going to prove that Jesus is still doing what he did before he died. If he came back to life. And so Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, guess what we are? We're an evidence producer. We produce evidence. Jesus lives. Lady, with the cataracts on your eyes, when I lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, I'm going to produce the evidence that Jesus Christ is right here. And he's alive. Evidence producers. We need to be evidence producers. I remember, (laughs) 
oh, I've got so many stories I can tell. I want to go through the word of these things. But I remember back in those days, back in those days when I got to work the streets of Indianapolis all the time. I mean, God, for for a uh, certain amount of time, he, he had me on this one one thing. They're really they're not a denomination, they're a cult. But they, they're really... Really big name of the United States. I don't even want to say the name because the tape might go somewhere and I don't want to cause trouble and strife. But these people, they're in Barstow. They're probably every, every, every country of the world. They're called such and such, such, such witnesses. That's as far as I go. And so God, for a while, had me on the case of these people. And he had me lay hands on different ones at different times, tricking them. And showing them that Jesus wasn't just a great apostle or prophet or teacher. But Jesus was alive. And every time I laid hands on one of them, the power of God came down and God did something in their lives. And I proved to them that their phony Bible was wrong and that God's Bible was right and that Jesus wasn't just a great man that used to live. Jesus was alive now. I didn't, I didn't say, well, you know what? My pastor back in Indianapolis, here's what he teaches. I said, well, you know what, sir? I saw the Bible. That Jesus said, if I lay hands on you, he'll heal you. And then before they get a chance, I mean, so many times I just, I, I was so bold, I snuck up on them. But then I got real bold. I grabbed their hand. I'd pop them on the head or something to get something into them. I remember one guy, man, I popped him in the forehead, snot, saw snot go away. <laughs> the guy had double barrel. It was wintertime in Indiana and colds were prevalent. This guy had snot, man, big old yellow snot coming down. I said, Jesus is going to heal you right now. I did that and all of a sudden, just like, you know, where'd it go? No, that was an evidence producer. I'm telling you, it's time for us as Christians to start taking the Bible for what it really is. We're not just a bunch of losers that go to church because this is a crutch. We come to church because this is our armory. This is our hospital. This is our everything we need. You know, we're not the AA where we come here and I was, I was, I was, I was. No, we am, we am, we am, we am. We am believers. We am Holy Ghost filled people. We am people of God's anointing. We am people that have the words of life. We am the people. We're not, I was a, yeah, Pastor Dave said this morning, I used to be a drinker. Well, I was a serious smoker too. I smoked four packs of Marlboro a day. Amen. Well, if you drank that much booze I drank, you had to smoke while you was drinking back then. They didn't, you know, they didn't stop you from smoking and stuff. Anyway, I just, I, I, I am not, I am not a recovering alcoholic. I got born again. I got delivered back on January 29th, 1980. I have a new master. Amen. Alcohol, alcohol, nicotine used to be my Lord's. Jesus is my Lord now. He's my master. I say no to alcohol. I say no to nicotine. I say no to those things. I say yes to Jesus. Amen. And so anyway, uh, our scripture is from March going to be in the book of Acts. And so I'm going to teach you some things tonight that I think will help you as Christians to practice and believe what's in the book of Acts. As we study this month, most importantly, I wanted to get into our, our, our church family, how we can do what they did in the book of Acts. You know, man gave that title, the Acts of the Apostles, but actually the literal title is the title is the Acts of the Believers. Because a whole lot of people in the book of Acts did things besides those twelve. Amen. Amen. So anyway, we, we're going we're to see why we can do the works of De- Jesus, why we should do the works of Jesus on a regular basis. 
and expect results, not because we feel anointed, not because we feel good today, not because everything's going right today, because we recognize what it is we have and what we're supposed to do with it. And so I want you to notice here, he said, you shall receive the Holy Ghost that's come upon you. You receive power. So the Holy Ghost and power are synonymous. We're going to see that in the Word of God. The Holy Ghost and power are synonymous. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you'll also become a carrier of the power of God. You also become a carrier of the power of God. And you know, I think about a battery. You know, you got, you got car batteries, you got flashlight batteries, now we got the little old round batteries for watches and cell phones and all the kind of batteries. A battery doesn't have to feel like a battery. It's a battery that's got power. And, and if, if a battery is used a lot and begins to lose its power, you charge it up. If you begin to lose your power as a Holy Ghost believer, you charge it up. Well, one way you do that, you have your little charging station at home called your prayer closet. Get in your prayer closet and get a quick charge and then come to your big charging station, your church, and get a good charge. And just get charged up. You pray in tongues and you get charged up. You charge yourself up. Another verse to write down is Jude 20. Jude 20. That's the book right before the book of Revelation. It says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, when you're praying in tongues, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. So when you're praying in tongues, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're charging up your battery, and your battery is getting filled up. You go out, you use some more power. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, the Holy Ghost and power are synonymous, and uh, you're carrying the power of God. So the word power here comes from the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. And that's the root word of the word dynamite. Dynamite. It blows up some stuff. It's got power. And so dunamis means anointing also. Dunamis is power. It's the anointing. And so I want to study tonight about the anointing in the life of you and me believers. Now, go to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Uh, Dylan, get them fired up. They, go ahead. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. I've, I've walked to this for 41 years. And a lot of you, I think this morning when Pastor Dave said some people been teaching Sunday school longer than he's been alive, Betty. <laughs> before Betty, before God transferred Betty from her other church to here, she taught Sunday school for 25 years at another church before she ever came over here. So I think she might qualify for what Pastor Dave was talking about. Praise God for these Sunday school teachers. Betty, I tell you, I, I think about all you work at Children's Church and... Uh, Although my family was a church family, my Baptist grandma took me to Sunday school at the Baptist church. And I never, the most influential one at that church was a man. In one of the classes I was in there, we had a man Sunday school teacher. I still see Mr. Wanoldi's face. I think, well, what the hell would he be now? I mean, I was a little kid, so maybe he wasn't as old as I thought he was. Maybe he's still alive. But I think, man, Mr. Wanoldi must be a 100 years old. I still remember Mr. Wanoldi teaching John chapter 3, you must be born again. I remember him teaching John chapter 14. Jesus said, you've seen, seen me, you've seen the Father. I remember that guy teaching way back then, and I was a sinner boy from the sinner family, took to church by my Baptist grandma. 
And so Betty and all you Sunday school teachers out there, just know that you are having an impact. You keep on doing what you're doing. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, and, and uh, you might make a note that Isaiah was writing and prophesying 750 years before the birth of Christ, for the birth of Messiah. And so verse 27, Isaiah 10, verse 27, he said this in prophesying that Jesus Christ was coming. It says, as it come to pass in that day, well, that day is talking about the day that Christ, Christ began his ministry, that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. We're talking about the power of God, we're talking about the anointing of God. And so what he's talking about here, the prophet's talking about that uh, when Christ comes, and Christ means the anointed one at his anointing. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the office he walked in. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one with the anointing. And Christians are little anointed ones with the anointing. He said, you shall receive power, you shall receive the anointing when the Holy Ghost comes on you, comes on you. And, uh, and, and Jesus did not have a different Holy Ghost. There's one Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that empowered Jesus is the same Holy Ghost that empowers you and me. We have the same Holy Ghost, the same power. But what he's saying here, this is symbolic of breaking the power of Satan and sin off the life of a human being. You're not going to see those addicts delivered just by good preaching. You gotta have some anointing. You're not going to see those alcoholics delivered just by good preaching and hoping and praying. It takes the anointing of God. It removes the burden and destroys the yoke. I want you to notice here God's def- definition. He says, the burden shall be taken away or removed, the yoke from off the neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing, because of the dunamis. The dunamis blows up things. I remember down in Houston, Texas, on that trip down there, Gary Regish, my best friend, we were down there together. I've still never got to see this one again yet, a repeat of this one. I never, it was just so amazing. We, 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 Gary and I worked the streets of Houston, Texas for a few days. <clears throat> and the things we saw, I remember one night, one night we had so much action at Denny's restaurant, the manager came over, locked the door, and pulled the blinds down. Must have been a believer. We we were casting out devils, getting people filled with the Holy Ghost, and that restaurant was speaking in tongues and praising the Lord. And it was just a Denny's restaurant. And the guy closed the blinds. He locked the door. And those things happened. Anyway, we was walking down this street in Houston, and we saw this street person. This guy was obviously, obviously, obviously doped out of his head, alcohol out of his head, blabbered, just totally goofy. And I just was so full of the power of God, I thought, man, let's get that guy set free, Gary. I said, let's go help that man. I, by help him, I didn't mean give him a dollar. I walked over, I grabbed the guy's hand while he was jabbering at me like that. And I said, Satan, I break your power off this man in the name of Jesus. Get out of here and go and sober up. All of a sudden, I go, ooh, ooh. Man, all of a sudden, he was totally had his wits. He was totally come to his senses. I've never seen him like that before in my life. And so then I went one direction. Gary took the guy to a restaurant and fed him and discipled him for a while. And he said, that guy was totally in his right mind. 
That guy was coherent, knew everything going on, had a totally changed person. Well, then I remember the stewardess on the airplane coming back, same thing. I mean, man, she is a good girl, but God had me preaching to her bad. Soon we get off the airplane, she sat down and had a cup of coffee with me right there off the airplane. And I remember I preached to her about the Holy Ghost. I said, you want this? Well, I led her to Jesus. First, she wasn't even born again. I led her through a prayer of salvation, laid hands on her. Next, I get all mad. That girl didn't get a little shandai, shandai, how you tie your bow tie. That girl got a prayer language, a fluent language. Right there in the airport with all of her stewardess friends around, this lady starts talking in a foreign language. You know why that was? When I received the Holy Ghost, I received power. I received power, and I didn't just say, oh, that's a good lesson Pastor taught on Sunday night. Wasn't that good? Well, what did he teach? I don't know. I forgot. I heard my pastor teach it, and I fed all the teachings of Brother Hagin, Brother Copeland, people like that that taught this same thing from the Bible. And if people tried to tell me something different wasn't Bible, I didn't listen to them. When I was a truck driver, we had two Christian radio stations, and I would surf those things every day, fighting the good faith teachers. But I found goofy people all there that wasn't teaching the same Bible I read. I never went back to them again. So, man, I'm not going to let them steal me with their unbelief and tell me this is not for me. Amen. Like her lady say one time about speaking in tongue, uh, says, 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 well, I was one of Satan's best disciples. I served him faithfully for years. He never gave me a tongue. So how's tongues of the devil when Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, said, if you ask for the Holy Ghost, your father will give you the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Ghost comes, the power comes, speaking in tongues comes with it. And so all those people that tried to tell me this wasn't for now, I just kept on speaking in tongues, casting out devils, laying hands on the sick, and did all the things Jesus said I could do because I had the power of God in me. I did it. And it worked, and you can too. And so I want you to notice here God's definition of the anointing. God says... That the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. You need to write that down and hold on to that at this verse, and it'll help you. Because that's what breaks the yoke of bondage to sexual perversion, whatever it is. That will break the power of the devil off a believer's life. But then you got to know this. Uh, they have to desire to start coming to church and getting under the Word of God. You know, we can set them free in the name of Jesus, but they're the ones that got to choose to stay free. How many times did Jesus tell people, go and sin no more? He said, tell what good things the Lord has done, but go and sin no more. People have got to choose. Well, like, like, well, like James said, he said the proverb said, said like the pig, uh, the, the dog went back to its vomit. Clean up a pig and it goes back wallowed in the mire. Well, we can help them. We can set them free, but they got to choose to stay free. And so it takes more than good preaching to deliver drug and sex addicts and alcoholics. It takes the anointing. And that's why I've always, I love good church services and this pandemic and all this stuff behind us. So we can start laying hands on people again, releasing the anointing of God. So we can on Sundays and Wednesdays and every other time have people over the altar together worshiping God and saying and praising God because, oh, just so many directions I go, but the Bible teaches three different kinds of anointing. Every believer has a believer's anointing. That's from 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. Every believer has a believer's anointing. And then Ephesians 4, 7 teaches the anointing for preachers. There's an anointing that preachers have. That's a different anointing. And then the whole Bible teaches the corporate anointing. When believers come together and the manifested glory of God comes in, that's the corporate anointing. And that anointing does major things. When you have that corporate anointing at a church service, people are sitting in there, and all of a sudden, 
they start shaking. They start crying. And in this church, I've seen it multiple times. People say, I don't know why I'm just so emotional. I just all of a sudden, I'm so emotional. Well, they don't know about the anointing. It has nothing to do with emotions. It's just like that night when I prayed for that lady. There was no emotions involved. I could stand in a bucket of water. The way I describe it, stick my hand in a socket. That was the power of God came down. Absolutely saturated us at her body and healed her. And when a person's at a church service and you got the people worshiping together, the one heart, one accord, one mind, one soul, as Book of Acts says, having all things common, and they don't care about their own little worlds, they're just in there, I love Jesus, I'm just so glad to be here, I just love you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And we got the Katie Brady's and the Josh's and the Ileas and the rest of them leading us in good worship. And we close our own eyes and we're not looking at our goofy phones. And we're not thinking about, oh well, oh well, whatever. I wish they'd get to the preaching. I wish they'd get to the preaching. No. Close your eyes, raise your hands, open your heart, open your mouth to worship God. As you start doing that, the corporate audience comes in. And then this person or persons you brought with you are the ones in here that somebody else brought with them. They've been trying for years to get them into a church service. Before the preaching ever started, they're sitting there crying. And they haven't heard a word preached yet. Why are they crying? Because the anointing's on them. And what is it doing? It's removing the burdens and destroying the yokes. And they're sitting there thinking, I want to be a church person too because they don't know what to say. They don't know it's born again. They don't know what it is. They know this feels so good. This feels so good. I don't think I want to drink anymore. <laughs> when I leave, I'm going to throw my cigarettes away. And it's not emotional. It's the anointing. And so that, that's the third kind of anointing is the corporate anointing. Amen. Go ahead and clap if you want to. And so I want to say it again. Isaiah 10.27 says, God's anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying, higher God. And as we turn to Isaiah 61, verse 1, I want to say this. I want to say this. We need to let people know it's wrong to sin. But we need to let them know the way out of sin. At the same time, you know, I don't know about you. I know about me. What I'm doing wrong and what I've done wrong, I don't need somebody to harp on me and just tell me how rotten I am and the wrong I'm doing. I know that. That's why I come to church. I want help. Don't keep beating me up. Tell me how to get help. And so, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, I raised, raised in a sinner's home. Man, you know, you get tired of your parents pounding on you all the time, telling you, quit being stupid, quit being stupid, quit being stupid. Well, show me how to quit being stupid, because I'm just imitating you. No disrespect to my parents. But all the good part of that stuff I learned, I learned from home, because they didn't serve God. And so I'm saying that to say this. The people come into a church service, they don't need beat up with the Word. They need to have the anointing of God in the service and the Word. Because the word of God will show them how, then the anointing of God will do the work. Amen. And so we need the anointing. And so anyway, Isaiah, still talking about the day to come in verse 61. He's prophesying and he's saying, uh, foretelling the ministry of Christ. And remember, Christ means, comes the word Christos, by the way. That means the anointed one and the anointing. 
And so he says this. This, this is telling what Jesus is going to say when he comes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath what? Anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. The good news to the losers. The good news. What's, what's the good news to the street beggar? You don't have to be a street beggar anymore. Jesus has better for you. Amen. The, the good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Do you know somebody's bound by drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, whatever it is, it's a bondage from Satan. And liberty means freedom. He says, he's anointed me. He's anointed me to preach freedom. And when you got an anointed preacher or an anointed believer on the job or an anointed believer out there in the public that's preaching Christ, him crucified as the healer, the savior, the deliverer, the Lord of all, that there's anointing on your words out there and you're preaching liberty. And there's an anointing to back it then. And so, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. I'll tell you what, it's time to quit giving all the steps to the drug addicts. That's working really well, isn't it? We got so many programs, so many steps, so many whatever, 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 whatever's. All it takes is the anointing of God to break the power of the devil. You can't, you cannot fight a spiritual warfare with flesh and blood only. It's nice to have love. It's nice to give food. It's nice to give shelter. It's nice to take people in. The world does that with no anointing. Why do you think there's so many officials that don't know God, but they're influenced by evil spirits, want to keep Christians out of places like that? Because the devil knows you get a Holy Ghost filled believer here that's been to do with power from on high that they come in, the devil's out of work. Wow. That is good. Opening the prison to the blind to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim our priest the acceptable year of the Lord. And that means the year of Jubilee. And I'll talk about that in a minute. To preach the year of Jubilee. And that meant a lot to the Hebrews. And so again, I want you to notice that the Spirit of the Lord and the anointing are synonymous. He said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. How many here believe you have the Spirit of the Lord upon you and in you? You know what else you've got then? You've got the anointing. Well, I don't feel anointed. Well, a good part of the time, I don't feel anointed either. But you know what I found out? That's like our toaster this morning, our toaster. Our toaster probably didn't feel like a toaster this morning. It didn't have a need. When I plugged it in, I connected to the power. And it still just sit there staring at me. I put the toast in, the bread in, and I gave it a need. Believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When I pushed it down, I saw it start turning orange on the inside. And something started working. You don't feel the anointing until there's a need for the anointing. And then you connect. You're already connected with the power of supply. It's laying there. It's waiting. My receptacle on the wall there 
has power coming into that wall. And when I plugged that toaster in, I connected to the power. When I pushed the switch down, power came on because there was a need. Brad said, I'm the sick. I need healed. I said, okay, Brad, we're getting ready to heal you. And the power came. When the power came, that bread was transformed from bread to toast. That night that I laid hands on that lady, I didn't know I was connected. But I'll tell you what, when that girl on the phone told me what to do, and I spoke the name of Jesus, I was connected, and the power came. And I felt anointed then. And I can't tell you how many times the same things happened. I've touched people before. And they've got slain the spirit in the workplace because the power of God came down and knocked them down where we stood. Because the power source isn't in the church, it's in the people. It's in the believers. And when we walk out the doors, we've got an empty building here. The Holy Ghost doesn't stay here when we leave because he doesn't live in buildings, he lives in people. We leave, the power goes with us. Amen. And so you notice that the anointing and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, they go together. And so the anointing is, I want to tell you again, the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroyed, power of God. If you really want to help those dopies in your family, quit harping on them. Start praying for them. Start praying for the Lord to give you the boldness to step out and tell them. If you used to be like then, then tell them, hey, I had the same thing you've got, but Jesus set me free. And if you want Jesus to set you free, especially somebody that's known you, they'll say, well, I remember how you used to be. I remember that. And then, it's like, well, I'll tell you what, if you'll just come to my church on Sunday, we've got some really good preachers, they'll help you. They'll probably never come to your church on Sunday. But guess what? You're a really good preacher. You got your little congregation everywhere you go. You got the same Holy Ghost the preacher's got. Amen. You got the same power the preacher's got. There's not one power for preachers and one power for believers because there's a lot of preachers have no power. And there's a lot of believers that aren't preachers. They got power. Amen. And so Isaiah 61, he said, he said the year of Jubilee is coming. So notice the Spirit and the Lord, the anointing, do the same thing. Now go to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And by the way, this sermon I'm preaching wasn't something I had planned up. I just in my own prayer closet yesterday morning and all of a sudden the Lord started preaching to me and told me to preach it tonight. So I just wrote it out. Just out of lots of years of experience. And knowing that God wants to change this church. Another level. He wants us to do what he said to do, to go out and preach the gospel to every creature in our realm of influence. <coughs> and so Luke 4, verse 16, <coughs> it says, And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Well, Sabbath day, of course, Nova Saturday, the synagogue was, if you will, his church, said he had the custom. Even Jesus went to church every Sabbath. And the deliver, there was delivered unto him, <coughs> excuse me, the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, 
And we were just there. And we had opened the book. He found the place where it was written. We just read Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. Now listen to this. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We just read that. Now Jesus said, This is about me. He said, He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the captives of drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, whatever it is, fear, whatever it is. You know those people that are captive to blabbermouth and gossip and lots of evil things? You know, you know there's lots of people that they're captive to the devil with their mouth and they don't even know it. If it wasn't for bad talk, they'd know no talk at all. And so it says, I've recovered of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, them that are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. I'll talk about that in just a minute. And then it says, he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister to sit down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Remember the prophet Isaiah said, in that day? Jesus said, this is that day. He said, this is fulfilled. He said, in essence, I am your jubilee. Now, what jubilee meant, I'm not the expert on this like a Tony Cookwood, the Pastor Dave. These guys really, really do the serious study on that. But what I know about the year of jubilee, back, 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 back in Israel, the way God had things set up, that, that, that they had a lot of slaves and servants and people in bondage and et cetera, et cetera. Kind of like I think sharecroppers and people were here in our country back in the Civil War days. They had people that were slaves to other people and they had debtors, prisons and all that. Well, every seven, seven years, there's a certain relief where they took some of the pressure off and took some of the debt off, let the people have some freedom. But then every 50th year, the 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. And so, man, if they made it 50 years on the 50th year, and I looked at this up again a while ago to make sure I was right, on the 50th year, all the slaves and the prisoners had to be let out and given their freedom. All the debts had to be canceled, and their lands that had been taken by the other guys had to be restored back to their families. Restoration, freedom, lives restored. And so Jesus, what Jesus said... To preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he said, I am the year of Jubilee. I am your Jubilee. I'm the one that's here. This day, this is fulfilled in your ears. I'm here. I am the Christ, the anointed one, the anointing. This is fulfilled today. I am your freedom. And for the crowd he was preaching to, that meant a lot. And of course, if you read the rest of it, the religious people went nuts. Just like today. I've been challenged in this town by religious preachers because I preach that God wants you to prosper. I've been challenged by religious people because I I preach healing that God wants everybody healed. God wants everybody freed. God wants everybody delivered. Religion doesn't like that because that puts religion out of jobs. Well, if Jesus ever lets me finish this sometime, then we'll finish it. (laughs) You really want more? 
Well, I guess that the Sunday school teachers, the people over there, they want to get back over here. Uh, let's just look at this one more time right here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because they don't even preach the gospel to the poor. And so we will shut it off right there. And I'll just, I'll just leave it this with you. This week, as we begin to study the book of Acts, when you read these stories of the book of Acts, put your name in there. You be Peter. You be Paul. And, you know, one thing to get a hold of is this. Well, you notice in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, where they had the 120 there on the day of Pentecost, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other women were there, where the Holy Ghost was poured out. Mary, his mother, good old Catholic Mary. I don't think she is a Catholic. But anyway, Mary, Mary was one of the ones that began to speak with other tongues. And those other women were there. And so, you know, that's just something to think about as you read the book of Acts. Jesus' mother was there. She was one of the first tongue talkers. And the tongue talkers are the ones that changed the world back in the book of Acts. That's been stolen from us too much. It's time to get it back. It's time to walk in it. So next week, next Sunday night, we will pick up where we left off. We'll do this again. And I'll tell you what, man, we've got some exciting things in these. What I got written down, it would be so good. But I want to say this again. I can testify in God's court that I'm a witness. I lay hands on the sick and they do recover. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a believer in Jesus. I've laid hands on many blind eyes and seen them open. I've laid hands on many cripples and seen them walk. I've laid hands on many deaf ears and seen them pop open. I've laid hands on many cancer victims and seen them get healed and live and not die. So many things I've experienced. And I'm, just, I'm not saying that at all about me. I'm just telling you, I took Jesus at his word. He said, if you see the Holy Ghost, you receive power. Not just so you can say, I got the power of God. It's so you can produce evidence that I've been resurrected and I'm alive. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.